You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? Oh, thanks. Hector's great. I like that, Hector. Good enthusiasm there, brother. Welcome, everybody. Uh, it's so good to have you with us. Welcome to those who are joining with us online. Uh, it is uh, my first time preaching this year, so forgive me if I'm a little bit rusty. We've had, a, we've had a good summer holiday and preached this Christmas Day. So I'm excited to be able to bring the Word of God to you this morning. Welcome to all our guests who are here. Big sends her love. She's preaching at our West Campus this morning, having a great time out there with the Westies, with their mullets and their Holdens, and they're going to have a great time <laughs> out there. And, um, and also a big um, Happy Chinese New Year. Now let me try this. Xin Yan Kuai Le. <laughs> They're being very generous in their applause, I can tell you that much. That, uh, that was Happy New Year in Chinese, in Mandarin. So uh, for those, I think so anyway. I could have said anything. I could have said, that's a lovely fried rice in, uh, in Mandarin, but I don't know. They told me that's what it says, but now I believe them, I trust them, because they are the people of God. So... Uh, it's great to be able to be here to bring the Word of God for you this morning. Welcome to those who are joining us online. Uh, I want to bring a message this morning. I've called A House of Zeal and Wisdom. A House of Zeal and Wisdom. I'm taking a little bit of a different tack on our Summer Hits series. Uh, I read this fascinating passage. It comes out of the book of 2 Kings, and it's about a king named Jehu. And in, Je- in 2 Kings chapter 9, there's this story and this account of this king called Jehu who's, who's appointed king over Israel. And he's appointed king, and he's charged with this task of bringing Israel back to a heart relationship with the Lord. He's charged with bringing the nation of Israel back into submission and surrender and worship of the Lord. He's charged with this job of uh, removing uh, this, a wicked king called Ahab and this woman called Jezebel who have taken Israel into all kinds of idolatry and wickedness and just so, taken them so far from the Lord. And his job is to bring Israel back to uh, the, uh, this relationship, this heart of worshiping the Lord. And it, And Jehu is so full of zeal. Like he's so pumped for God. He's like a brand new Christian. You know how brand new Christians are so zealous for Jesus. You know, like he is so on fire for God that even when he's driving, he's so zealous that, that when people see him driving a chariot from far away, they know it's Jehu. And the Bible says people look out and they go, that person drives like a madman. It must be Jehu. Like some of you pulled into the car park this morning. So zealous for the Lord. It's not your bad driving, it's just your zeal. And so Jehu comes in and he, he does what no other king has been able to do before him. He rids the nation of Jezebel. He, he then goes a step further and he completely eradicates Baal worship from the nation of Israel. This is something no other king has ever been able to do before Jehu. He completely eliminates it uh, from the nation of Israel. In fact, in 2 Kings 10, these are his own words he uses to describe himself. He said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Wow. And yet, as I read this story, there was a verse that stood out to me, and it wasn't any of that. It was this one here in 2 Kings chapter 10. said this, but Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all of his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. Jehu's issue was not that he wasn't zealous. His issue was that he wasn't careful. 
His, Jehu's issue was not that he didn't have passion and zeal for the Lord. He just wasn't able to couple that with wisdom. And the honest truth is, as a pastor, and I've been in pastoral ministry now, I've been on staff with Elam Christian Center for 20 years. I started when I was 10 years old. It was amazing. <clears throat> I'm not sure why they're laughing, Chris. I went on staff for 20 years, and I see, if I'm honest, I, I, I could say I see the same thing happening in the life of the church all the time. And I believe God's heart and God's intention is that the church would be a house of both zeal and wisdom. This beautiful coupling in marriage of zeal and wisdom. I pray, Lord, don't ever let us be a church that lacks zeal. Don't ever let us be a church that lacks passion, that doesn't believe and trust God and go after the things of God and seek Him with all our hearts and have a passion for the kingdom and for the gospel and for Jesus and for the lost. Don't ever let us lack zeal. But Lord, don't ever let us lack wisdom either. Don't ever let us be a house that acts with folly and foolishness and rashness and too quickly and too stupidly. I pray that we'd always be a church that brings wisdom to the party. And the question I have and the thought I have is this, how do we as followers of Jesus and how do we as a church avoid Jehu's folly and bring together both zeal and wisdom? I've got three quick thoughts I want to share with you guys this morning, if that's right. You can grab your notes out on the app if you want to do that, or write them down, or, or just commit them to memory, however you want to do that. They're going to come up on the screen. How do we be a house that has both zeal and wisdom? The first thought I have is this. We connect the generations. To do that, we connect the generations. I had one of those um, back-in-my-day moments just a few weeks ago. So, the family, myself and my wife and our two kids, we're heading off down on holiday to go and see my brother who lives in Topol. So we're going to go for the three and a half hour drive down to Topol and we left and just as the rain started to come, so we had a wonderful winter summer holiday. It was quite marvelous. And so we were driving down and I had one of those moments where I looked in my rear vision mirror about half an hour into the trip and I see my two children like angels sitting there with, with their headphones on and their iPads in front of them watching some movie that they've downloaded onto their iPads and I had that moment where I thought back to myself, man the generations are different. Because when I was a kid, our form of entertainment on a long car drive was counting those little white reflective posts along the, you guys know what I'm talking about, along State Highway 1. And, and I'm looking behind me, I see my children watching the climactic finale of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on their iPads. And all I can think about is eight-year-old Stevie going, one, two, three, four, for five hours. This generation doesn't know how good they've got it, do they, people? <laughs> generations are different, and, and we're, we're a church of many generations. The generations are different, but I want to suggest to you, church, that we need each other. We need each other. Generations need each other. The younger generation needs the older generation. Why? Because the younger generation are stupid. <laughs> they do silly things. Their frontal lobe is not fully developed, and they have a whole lot of zeal and not a lot of wisdom. So we end up doing silly things and making mistakes and acting rashly and acting too quickly or not giving enough thought to different things. Anyone with small children knows the, the response when your child says, can we do this? You go, that is the worst idea I've ever heard on the planet. Do you want to die? That, that's the... Like, but the, I want to suggest also that the older generation also needs the younger generation. 
Because you know when you get older and you try to stand up off the floor and everything creaks a little bit? Sometimes as you get older, it's not just your joints that creak. You start to creak about everything. Oh, that's a problem. Oh, I don't like that. And so sometimes the older generation, we need the younger generation who've got a bit of zeal and a bit of fresh oil to come along and just lubricate the joints a little bit and help us realize, hey, that's not so much of a big deal. We can get on with stuff. And, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of like Sunday church where we have like, we, this is the youth service and then we have an oldie service. I believe that, that wisdom and zeal must inhabit the same space. The generations must cohabitate in the same space in the family of God. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, Paul writes these words. He says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. That's a really interesting warning. It's an interesting point to make. Though you have countless guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers. See, a guide will take you down a path, but a father will walk the whole journey with you. A father will tell you why we walk that path and how it takes us to somewhere we want to be. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. What Paul is saying is this, be an imitator of me as a father. As a father in the faith and as a mother in the faith, be an imitator of me. I recently, last year, I, I turned 40 years old. And uh, my kids are growing up. I'm soon going to have a teenager in my house. And I had this kind of moment where I realized that in my, fa- in, my, in my life, in my natural life, but also in my faith and in the kingdom of God and in the family of God, I've moved from a son to a father. No longer just a son in the house and a son in the kingdom. I'm now a father in the kingdom and a father in the faith. And I believe that we're needing a generation of people in the body of Christ to rise up to be fathers and mothers in the faith. And I really felt as I was writing this message, and I want to I wanna be visionary this morning. I want to speak to the heart of what God is calling you and I into, into our future and into what He has for us as a church. I really felt as I was preparing this message that God was stirring in the hearts of some people that this is the next step for you, is to begin to take up the mantle of being a spiritual father and mother to those in the family of God. I, I believe that some of you are sitting here and you maybe been walking in the faith for many years, or maybe you've been in our church for many years, and maybe you've been sitting here today going, like, I just don't know what my place is anymore. Like, where do I fit here anymore? I used to be this, and I used to do this, and now I'm just kind of here, and I believe the answer to the question is this. God is calling us to be a generation of fathers and mothers in the faith. Maybe God is stirring you even now to say, this is my call for you this year is to step up and to begin to become a, a spiritual father and mother to the next generation, to those who are coming alongside you and around you. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you get weird and go up to some young person and go, God asked me to be your spiritual daddy. Now I'm gonna come alongside you and tell you all the things you need to know about your life. Don't do that. Here's what you could do. Today we're signing up a whole bunch of people to start a small group. We're doing a whole new round of people stepping up to start a small group. Maybe if you feel God laying this on your heart, go and fill in that connect card. Say, I'd like to start a small group and then trust God to bring the right people to your group that he's asking you to invest in for the next season. And when you get them, you encourage them, you share the word of God with them, you pray for them, and then you help them take the next step they need to take in the Lord. That's it. That's it. Trust God to bring the people that He's calling you to to look after and to mentor. Then you're going to encourage them. You're going to pray for them. 
You'll share the word of God with them, and then you'll help them take the next step God is asking them to take. We connect the generations. We connect the generations. The second thing I thought I have is this. How do we become, how do we be a house of zeal and wisdom? Number two, we promote passion and welcome instruction. We promote passion and we welcome instruction. I, I, I remember, like, I've been preaching now on the stage for, for many, many years. But I do remember my very first time. My very first time ever preaching on this platform, uh, I was barely saved. I don't know who made the decision to put me up there, but I was barely saved. And so it was at a five, uh, a five o'clock service, and it was what we used to call a preach it where you'd be given like a two to three minute slot to get up there and do like a little mini sermon before the actual preacher redid all your bad theology and made it okay. So it was an opportunity to give a young person a go. And so like I'm, listen, when I say barely saved, I mean I've been walking with Jesus for a month, maybe. I, like I barely know anything. So I get, I get put up there to do this, um, to do this thing. And I just like had, I either had a dream about or read a weird book about hell. And so I begin to preach as a barely saved Christian about hell. And I'm giving this wild explanation of it. It's, a, it's like the most outrageous dis, d- description and depiction of hell and what it's like and how you need to avoid hell at all costs. Uh, and I'm going for it. I'm going crazy. And, and I get off the stage. I mean, this is like what we would call extra biblical. It's not like it's... it's it's kind of out there. And so I'm just going, because I don't know. I'm like, I don't know that, like, what, what I'm doing up there. And so I finish and I get off and, uh, and there was, a, there was a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Darren. He, was me- he decided to mentor me and disciple me. He just started walking the journey along with me. And I sit down and he sort of puts his arm around me, just pats me on the back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. And then uh, as I'm leaving church, this, this other gentleman in church walks up to me and he kind of disparagingly and sarcastically says to me, well, that was interesting theology, and just walked away. And, and I, was, I was like, whoa, I, I, di- I didn't know what theology meant. <laughs> so I was like, whatever. But in his tone, I could see he was putting me down. And, and I turned to Darren, I said, what does that mean? And he just said to me, don't worry about that. And then he took me out for coffee, after the service, and he said, Steve, I want to encourage you. You're so brave for getting up there. And, and I think God's got something on your life to do with speaking and with sharing the Word of God. But he said, but your one error was this. You didn't preach on the Word of God. You didn't give people the Word of God. And whenever you get up to preach, everything is founded and grounded in the Word of God. Not on a dream, not on some other book you read, not on something out there and grandiose or your good idea. Everything is grounded and founded on the Word of God. And I'm so thankful that he didn't kill my passion, but he brought along some wisdom. And I'm so thankful that I didn't just listen to the grumpy old man who questioned my theology, and it was wild. He was right. It was wild theology. But I'm so thankful for someone who came alongside me and didn't allow my passion to get killed, but also brought along some instruction and some wisdom to help me build and bring what God was calling me to bring. Let's be a church that promotes passion for God. Let's be a church that's not afraid to worship Jesus with reckless abandon and sing with all our hearts and lift our hands in worship and go after the things of God. Let's not be a church that's afraid to say amen every now and again and agree with me sometimes. I promise I've gotten better. See, I think one of the greatest ways we promote passion is through encouragement. 
One of the greatest ways to build a passionate church is through encouragement. I, I think often, and maybe it's our Kiwi culture, we withhold encouragement because we're worried about giving somebody a big head. Like, I don't want to tell them that they're good because then they'll think too much of themselves. I think most people think too little of themselves. I, I'm not concerned with giving people a big head. I want to give people a big heart. And I think encouragement builds big hearts. It doesn't just build big heads. And so what if someone's head gets a little bit bigger? Because most people I meet think too little of themselves, too little of God, too little of the power of God and what God could do in them and through them in their lives. So, so what if I encourage you and you think a bit more about what God could do in and through your life? The devil's trying to pull us down anyway, so let's not do him any favors and do his job for him. I would rather us be a church that's known for giving too much encouragement rather than not enough. I'd rather you walk out of this place and someone has built you up and told you that God loves you and God's got a great plan for your life and I love the way you did that. I think, I think encouragement is the antidote to a passionless faith. I think someone's got a passionless faith, start to encourage them in the Lord. Start to call out the, the plan and the call of God upon their life and start to tell them what God's done in their life and what God could do with them. I think encouragement fosters passion. It builds resilience in the faith. That's what encouragement does. It builds belief in who God called you to be. If you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you'll know discouragement is going to come. But you get that one encouraging word, you're good for six months. That one encouraging word, it builds resilience in your faith and in your walk with God because you can go, man, I believe God could do something with me. I hope that as we come together as a church that we encourage one another. I, you know, when you're standing next to that person, man, I love, like Jeremy, I love the way you worship, bro. You just stand there. I can't stand next to you and not worship Jesus harder and stronger and louder when I'm standing next to you because it's just infectious what you bring. And I'm, I'm so thankful for this worship team. They get here every Sunday and lead us so beautifully in worship and what Dan brings and, and the heart that they bring and the effort that they put into it and the prayer that goes into every single Sunday and the preparation and how they lead us with such grace and humility and, and such excellence in what they do and hand and Adele and the whole rest of the team here. I'm so thankful for them. They do an amazing job and the tech team that sort out all the issues and fix everything that always breaks. And I'm so thankful for the kids team that's looking after your kids right now. And so you don't have those little monkeys climbing over you through church so you can listen to me bore you to death without their distraction. And I hope you go into that room and say, thank you so much. You do an incredible job looking after our children. And thank you for investing in them and giving your time because pretty much 90% of everyone who's here is not paid. They're volunteers. They do this as a part of the fulfilling the call of God upon their life. So I hope we encourage one another. And I hope when you go get that coffee, we're all nicely, sufficiently caffeinated in this church now, which is amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for the baristas and the team. They give away their time to make us fully caffeinated. It's an amazing thing. Let's promote passion by giving away some encouragement. Here's the rule. If you think it and it's encouraging, give it away. If you think it about that person and it's encouraging, just give it away. Don't hold on to that. It's illegal. You're not allowed to hold on to it. You're breaking the law. Give it away to somebody. Send them a message. Give them a call. Write them a note. Encourage them. Why? Because it could be the very thing they need to build that resilience and passion back into their faith. We, we promote passion, but we also welcome instruction. We welcome instruction. Proverbs 15 verse 32 says this, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. I've learned there's a big difference between criticism and correction. One kills passion, the other gives guidance. Big difference between criticism and correction. One will kill someone's passion 
and the other will give guidance to it. My uh, eldest son has, has just started playing his first season of cricket. And I, I love the game of cricket. I think it's the game we're going to play in heaven and the heavenly oval. It's going to be amazing. So if you don't like that, then this probably isn't the church for you. I'm just joking, brother. I'm just playing with you. I'm just, play, I'm just playing with you. So I'm out there with him. I'm trying to help him. I love cricket. So I'm out there trying to like help him practice, going to the nets and stuff. And I'm like, and, and he's, he's, he's pumped. He's passionate about playing a bit of cricket, but he's wild and his movements are wild and there's no structure to them and there's, there's no posture, there's no form. There's no, and so everything's kind of wild and, and crazy. And so my job is to try and bring a bit of alignment and bring a bit of instruction to help his passion have a greater outcome. And, and my job as his dad is it's really, hard not to try and kill his passion but also bring along some instruction that's going to help him be better help him bring alignment to his passion help bring direction to his passion to help give his passion a greater and more fruitful outcome and here was Jehu's folly he says this he was not careful to walk and to keep to and to hold to the law of the Lord with all of his heart he didn't hold to the Word of God. He didn't keep that in his heart. So how do we couple zeal and wisdom together? How do we bring those two things together? Well, we welcome ins- the instruction of and we hold to the Word of God. It's that simple. See, zeal, a zealous faith without the Word of God, can lead to a very misguided faith. And I've seen it many times over in the life of a, ch- of, of a church and in my walk with Jesus seen it many times over where you get this, these very zealous people. They, they, they're passionate for God, but they have very limited foundation in the Word, and they have very limited submission to the Word. And so the, these, these zealous people who are not grounded in the Word or the fellowship of His church, there's, what you find is this lack of instruction and foundation of the Word, and it can lead to an over-spiritualized arrogance that has very little foundation and truth. And just like Jehu, it can become destructive. And I love what King David said. He said this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've I've got this passion for God, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide the word of God in my heart. I'm going to make it the foundation. I'm going to give it such preeminence in my life that it is what I live for and how I live my life. Friend, bring your zeal and submit it to the instruction of the word and the wise among you. It's how we couple zeal and wisdom. And my last thought is this. Ben, you guys can come join me. My last thought is this. Number three. How do we couple zeal and wisdom? How do we be a house full of zeal and wisdom? We hold to Jesus. We hold to Jesus, very simply. Jesus is the embodiment of zeal and wisdom. He is the fullness of grace and truth. He is the lion and the lamb. It's the same Jesus that that in the same temple where people stood back and they marveled at his wisdom. In that exact same temple, we see him also flipping tables and chasing people with whips as his zeal for the house of God to be a place of prayer comes out in the most extraordinary way. Friend, I want to encourage you in this room today. If you've lost your zeal, come back to Jesus. If you've lost your zeal, come back to Jesus. If you get around him, you cannot help but become a little bit more passionate for the things of God in his kingdom. But friends, if you've lost your wisdom, if you're lacking wisdom, come back to Jesus. His word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, just come and ask and it'll be given to you. If you've lost your passion, come back to Jesus. If you need wisdom, come back to Jesus. I'd love to pray for us. Can I pray for us, church?
Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I thank you for this amazing church and faithful, incredible group of people. And Father, I pray for us as a body and as a church that we would be the, the kind of house that is one of both zeal and wisdom. Lord, may we never see the fire for you grow dim. May we continually fan into flames that gift of God that's on our lives. May we be a church that burns with a passion to see the lost saved, to see those who are saved healed and set free, and to see those who are set free begin to step out and make a difference in this world for your kingdom. Lord, may we be a church that embodies a passion for God. And Father, I pray for any of us if we've lost that passion, that zeal that we once had, I pray, Lord, that you would reignite the fire, that heart for you, that desire to seek you and know you and serve you. If we've lost our passion to worship you and praise you and give you all the honor and glory, I pray, oh God, bring that back, Lord, that we would be a people that are not ashamed of the gospel. And Father, I pray that you would help us to also be a house full of wisdom. Lord, may we be a, a people that live with the, on the firm foundation of your word. Help us, Lord, to know how to align and direct the passion you have given to us for your kingdom and for your people. Help us to do it your way, in your time. I pray upon us as a church that we will be a church full of encouragement. Lord, raise up the encouragers, those who would speak a word of life to somebody else. I pray, O oh God, raise up the fathers and mothers in the faith. Even now, Lord, highlight to them those you're calling them to adopt and to pray for and to encourage and to walk a journey alongside that, Lord, we truly would be a house of zeal and wisdom. And Father, I pray for any of us who are lacking in either. I pray that right now, Lord, we would submit our hearts afresh to you, Jesus. We need you. Friends, I want to pray a prayer this morning. If you're here in the room and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're, you're far from him today, I would love to pray a prayer with you. Maybe you're here today in the room and you'll be honest and say, Steve, I'm just not right with God. I'm not in the right place with him. The truth is, friends, God loves you. God made you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. And the payment that's due for our sin that we owe is a payment of death. The Bible says for the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God sent his own son Jesus to a cross. When he died on that cross, he took upon himself everything that you and I would do for our sin. And he conquered death in the grave and he rose again to new life. And he extends to every single person today grace, forgiveness, a brand new start in him. You can be born again today by the Spirit of God, a brand new person from the inside out. God's got a great plan for your life. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And friends, this is a great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And if you're here today, you're not right with God.
but you want to be. Maybe you've never made this decision before, but you, you want to, or maybe you've made it many years ago or recently, but you're falling away from God and you want to get right with Him today. I want to encourage you right now to pray this prayer along with me. I'm going to pray it out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it in your heart with me. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got online. This is for you as well, in your home, wherever you are. Pray this prayer with me now. Just say in your heart, say these words. Say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old way of life, and I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my wrongs, and I receive today your gift of grace. Thank you for saving me. I choose from this day to follow you. Would you come in and be the Lord of my life? and make me brand new today, in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and every head bowed, if you pray that prayer, I'm really proud of you. I want to invite you to do something really brave for me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And if you pray that prayer, you got your life right with God today. When I get to three, I want you to put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. I'm not doing that to stand you up or call you out. All I'm going to do is I'll see you, I'll acknowledge you, and then you can put your hand straight back down. I'm asking you to take one little step of faith Add a little bit of action to the decision that you just made. Are you ready on the count of three? If you got right with God just now. One, two, three. Hands going up right now saying, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Thank you. 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 Yes, to my left. Thank you, brother. Online, we see you guys. Three of you online. Thank you so much. Anyone else in the room saying, Steve, that's me. That's me. That's me. Count me in on that. Amazing. Well, Father, we thank you so much for the work you're doing in this place. I thank you for those who've just said yes to do both to you, both in the room and online. I pray you bless them. I pray you'd fill them. I pray they would really know the life-changing power of God, that they would know that the old is gone and the new has come, that they are born again in you. Lord, we bless them right now in Jesus' name, and we rejoice with all heaven today as lost come back to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, come on, let's celebrate. Let's congratulate everyone. Every person that just said yes to Jesus. That's incredible. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.